Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Elliot from Kent, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, aside from necessities, what is one thing you couldn't go a day without? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Please give a warm welcome to Dame Baptiste of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. Thank you very much, everybody, and hello and welcome to this live recording from the London Podcast Festival of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. Hizzo. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... Well, Dane, we're talking everything from Elliot from Kent's question. Aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? you got a minute, Dane. It's yeah. a good one. I'd say... Tough one. Uh, oh. Coke Zero at the moment for me. <laughs> Coke Zero. Very niche. Cool. Which is basically Diet Coke for men um, insecure about their masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Basically, the Coke were too worried that if men tried to drink Diet Coke, they would see it as too effeminate. So they created Coke Zero so men could feel more manly while drinking it. Yep. Personally, I think if you buy a Coke without sugar in it, your masculinity is the least of your freaking worries. <laughs> but that's another conversation uh, for but another yeah, Coke time. Zero, um, everybody loves Raymond. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, chocolate and uh, my wife. There that's you go. cool. Those are four things I can't really... That's nice. All right. I think I would say, yeah, love, uh, a day without not feeling loved or being able to display that love to another sentient being. Uh, a day without learning is pretty much a day wasted, I guess. And my mum calls me every day. So if she didn't, I'd be like, oh my God, what's wrong? <laughs> so I'd say those probably are the main things. Yeah. Good answer. Well, there you go. Yeah, including necessities. There you go, Elliot. I hope that answers your question. And suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, and no question is too unnecessary, or no question that doesn't necessitate a response. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. Episode, or you can subscribe to us on ACAST, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of the very special questions being asked or answered by a very special guest. Or you can be with us live at the London Podcast Festival. That is wonderful women, people. Give yourselves a round of applause. Because with that being said, on today's show is a Welsh Zimbabwean ex-BBC broadcast journalist specialising in podcast production and documentary making. She has presented and produced two documentaries for the BBC, Brixton Flames on the Frontline and Zimbabwe, Grandfather and Me, which was nominated for a BAFTA. She also launched the BBC's first daily news podcast, Beyond Today. And yeah, produced... I missed the Y on the oh, Today. Yeah, sure apologies, that wasn't a weird acronym. So she <laughs> launched the BBC's first daily news podcast, Beyond Today, and produced the award-winning newscast, AmeriCast, and launched BBC Radio and Extras, If You Don't Know Podcasts. She's one of the co-founders of the Black Swimming Association, the BSA, a charity set up to encourage more people in African, Caribbean, and Asian communities to engage in water safety, education, and swimming. Wow. She is a trailblazer, but an amphibious one. And it is very much our pleasure to welcome to the show, Ms. Seren Jones. Hello. Thank you guys so much. Pleasure. Welcome. Thank you for, thank you for being our guest. So first of all, Seren, um, what could you not go a day without aside mm. from necessities is what we all want to know. Yep. What could I not go a day without, aside from necessities? 
It's going to sound really basic. Mm-hmm. Probably my Fenty lip gloss that I'm wearing right now. Yeah, that's some, pretty no, basic. Some people, yeah. some people are like, so, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's so basic, but I think since the pandemic and I didn't wear, like, I didn't make an effort for two years, now all of a sudden, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can actually try and look nice for myself. That's and Fenty, there. Fenty's there for, for the girls. There so. you go. What about this lovely audience? What could you not live a day without? Just shout it out. Unless it's really offensive, in which case don't. A lady with the floral top who doesn't look like she wants us to ask her the question. <laughs> Just a day without being asked these questions live in an audience, I guess. Okay. Uh, gentleman with grey t-shirt. We've got to get someone to say something. Otherwise, this is pointless, isn't it, Dave? Well, not necessarily pointless. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very important existential question, so people might need a little bit more time to think about it. Um, Coffee. Coffee. You, yeah, you won. Well done. You get the prize. Here's the podcast mug for you. Unfortunately, the mug contains no coffee, so yeah, I hope you've had your problem. Your fix today. Otherwise, you are in trouble. <laughs> My goodness. So, uh, Saren, have you had a good week? Which yeah. is not the main question we're asking, but we want to make sure that you are of habeas corpus and sound mind and body relatively. Yeah, I think I've had a good week. Thanks. It's been a bit of a wild one, um, but overall, yes, it's been a good week. Can't complain too much. Any major events this week? Or? I can't believe how to throw you that hot potato. <laughs> it's a bit of a, bit of a quiet one, news-wise. Um, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane? As the format of this show dictates, there's a format you're going to be happy to hear. Absolutely. So, uh, Saren, as our very esteemed guest, we would like to invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you would like, even if it is related to the composition of your lip gloss. We will discuss that. Mm. Um, any you. question you'd like and we'd like to discuss it for about 15 minutes and some change then my producer friend Howard Cohen would like to pose a question to you and we'd like to do the same then in a revolutionary act I'd also like to pose you a question which we discuss for 15 minutes and then we would like to have the floor open so that these wonderful people can yeah. also ask you and us a question yeah. it can be any question and we can discuss it as a very small community yeah. How does that Start sound? thinking now. Start thinking. But also listen to the show. But I mean, you know. Uh, and if anyone feels self-conscious about asking questions at this point, I would like to remind you all that the Prime Minister's priorities include cheese. <laughs> so, yeah, no pressure, Sarah. So, yeah, yeah there's, there is no pressure if that greases the wheels. So... Okay, so no cheese in my question because I'm lactose intolerant anyway. Me so too. Oh, so there you go. Oh, You're in good so company. It's nice for Dane to meet one of his people. Right? <laughs> exactly. It's a tough, it's a tough life. It's a Thank tough you. life. The chosen people. <laughs> um, okay, so my question. So um, it's a bit existential, mm-hmm. but it's been burning in my mind, I'd say, for like probably most of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so we um, have literally... I feel as though we're kind of on the other side of the pandemic or panoramic or whatever people are calling it now. Um, and it's just been a time where I've just had like a flood of different like questions. I've been trying to figure things out, coming out of things mm. and professionally, personally, um, a lot of confusion. And now that we're kind of back to normality, kind of as it were, just about back in 2019, um, the question that I have today is like, how do we know that we're doing life right? Mm. How do you know you're dealing with, with doing with doing life right? Life is that, right. Is that personally or just collectively as people? Um, either, whatever's whatever comes to mind. Oh man. I think I think both overlap whether we're thinking kind of as a community, collectively or personally. I mean my instant reaction is I'm just depressed thinking about how many things I've got wrong uh, in my life. Like there's quite a long list of times. I mean that's that's one of the hard things about that question, isn't it? You, you're never going to get it all right, are you? Well, have you got it all right, Saren? Because if you have, um, yeah. Well, I, I, I definitely don't have it all right. I think I'm going through this thing where, like, you... I think, obviously, like, everybody, we went into the pandemic a mm. certain age. You come out th- two, three years older, mm. and you're just like, well, well shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, now what? And you have all these kind of, like, external pressures and expectations that are being put on you, especially as a young woman, yeah. um, to do with your career, to do with your body, to do with families um mm. where you want to go in life how much time you have mm. and and i guess that's where like a lot of these kind of burning questions are coming from mm-hmm. and the more i speak to people in their 20s actually i realize okay i'm not actually by myself this is like a concern that a lot of people late 20s early 30s most definitely is kind of sharing so. yeah i think i think it's definitely a valid question especially because the pandemic for many people had their lives put on hold 
and for some people it was quite a pivotal time in their lives so some people may have been transitioning from their 20s to their 30s some people may have even been starting new jobs I know especially people that were in the creative industry obviously having that stalled and you think about like working up towards getting in a position whereby you are trying to realize your creative potential only for the chancellor to be like you should retrain in another job mm. would make you wonder like <laughs> what, what I'm sure I was doing it right at some point right, so right. um I guess for me, when I ponder if we're doing things right, and I guess I'd like to think about it collectively because we're a social species, um, I think this, the saying is, and I'm paraphrasing if I'm getting this wrong, but it's like you can tell about the standard of a society based on how they treat the least or most vulnerable people within that society. Mm-hmm. So if we use that as a reference point, I would say we're not doing great right now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're doing great. I think... Um, if we look at some of the divisions that we've seen, or it maybe just in terms of the protocols on the and the actions taken by our authoritarians during the pandemic, I would say that wasn't necessarily great. Because one of the observations I made about the pandemic was that like COVID itself wasn't necessarily a fatal disease or 100% fatal, but the way that it was dealt with led to a lot more fatalities than there should have been. So, for example... In a country which has had like you know at least two gener- maybe three generations post war having a universal health service, you would think that an infrastructure would have been put in place or a contingency plan would have existed to deal with any kind of epidemic or any kind of pandemic, but as you saw, those plans weren 't really there, and our nurses and medical professionals had to use bin liners as PPE. And then when they were, people were given funding for PPE, that funding went to people who made sweets for a living, which mm. was a bit of an issue. Um, and then, like, when you consider, like, moving forward, you know, our departure from the EU was also supposed to uh, bode positively, at least for the UK. And I'm sure we're all aware now that they're tipping raw sewage into our waters. And I'm not that much of an ecological expert, but I know if you tip shit in water, things aren't going great, mm. Mm. especially in a developed nation. And I think more than anybody, you the idea of people pouring shit in water where people swim doesn't sound great to you. I mean, it's really not helping my cause. It really is it's not helping your cause at all, because speaking as a member of one of the communities you're trying to encourage to swim more often shit is a deal breaker for me mm-hmm. as it should be for everybody you know Every, yeah, and I I know everyone's if, had that experience when you go to a pool and there's a little bit of shit everyone, the everyone's pool similar like, nah, done everyone's similar done. but Can't you need you to understand clean, uh, shit in a no pool Howard chlorine, you, you know what chlorine. you can clean it Howard but we all know we all know it was there and we can't <laughs> exactly. get past it exactly. alright you've stepped in shit before right and then someone will be like don't worry your trainer is clean now but you know it's not clean really and you're like if you got shit on your finger Howard and then mm. you cleaned it and then you were like, does anybody want some crisps? For a bit. Yeah, no, no one's going to be like, I want some of Howard's crisps. They're going to be like, we saw your finger was Howard. Get away from us with those fucking crisps. Yeah. If I see shit in a pool, they can clean it, Howard. But to be honest with you, I would petition to it's- have that place demolished and rebuilt from the ground up. <laughs> it's game over. Yeah. It's game over, Howard. It does sound like we've got problems, isn't it? But I, I, I hear our cheese is really good, so uh, well, that's kind of really. We wouldn't me do know, it. Howard. Oh, that's right. Two thirds of the panel can't that relate to that, problem. Howard, as a barometer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, as you say, sir. But it's so I problem. think in that respect, maybe we're not doing great. But then at the same time, I think the fact that we're having such overt conversations about what we uh, perceive to be shortcomings from our superiors might be a positive thing because sometimes experiencing this kind of adversity and the collective uh, rebellion against, uh, you know, corrupt government or authorities Mm -hmm. can maybe be an indication that we are poised to go in a positive direction. Mm. So, you know, an example being that now it's seen as a a given, as it should be, and it's a lot more normalised to see women as sports pundits in like the premiership in football and stuff yeah i have a nephew and he's 15 years old and i kind of asked him about like how he felt about it not so much because i have objected to it but i just wanted to get his viewpoint because i think it's important to check in and he it doesn't even register that it's mm. any kind of divergent or any kind of non-conventional practice and for me, that shows it's very progressive mm-hmm. because I think there would be a lot, of, a lot more gender normative roles and gender norms that we had in society that we would adhere to and we'd hear conversations about like what toys kids should have and what mm. clothing and toys are made gender specific. And as far as I'm aware, my nephew is a cisgender heterosexual man, but 
yeah, he's never objected or raised any kind of concerns about that kind of thing. So I think that's indicative of us moving very forward very positively. Yeah. And even when we discuss things like gender norms and gender politics, uh, younger generations or Generation Z or Z, depending on where you're from, that's for you, Harvard. <laughs> um, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any kind of pushback from them, and it's very normalised. For me, that's very encouraging that, you know, we are welcoming historically marginalised groups and they are becoming a part of mainstream culture. And however we may feel about it, the, the generations that are going to be coexisting alongside themselves don't have a problem. So maybe in that respect, we're doing okay. And it might be, or it might be because we're doing so badly, successive generations have been like, they're not doing it properly. <laughs> so we're going to do something different. I can't lie. I think there is an element of truth to that. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, no offence to older generations, but it's just like, how did we get here? It's yeah, just, older I, generations. How did we get so, here? So, you, you know, it's, it, I, I, think, I think it's just a time where, like, a lot of people my age are just, like, despite being probably the most educated generation that, mm-hmm. th- that we have at the moment, more of us go to university than ever before and are going to university. Um, and we are getting paid more than our parents ever got paid at, you know, at this age. But we really just can't do that much with what we have right now. Like, mm-hmm. money is not stretching. Mm-hmm. We cannot get on the property ladder, especially in this city, which mm-hmm. is where a lot of us want to live because this is where the opportunities lie. Yeah, it's right? the economic centre of the country, yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's unfortunate that I feel as though there are a lot of people who are kind of in this kind of lull, really, and mm. don't know if all of that hard work, all of that grinding, all of that dedication and Mm. time aside and time spent working and studying and doing everything we were meant to do on this checklist it's going to pay off yeah it paid off for me just to let you know everyone it really (laughs) no but that's great to know yeah i was my answer to my answer to your question is yeah i'm I'm doing life right yeah (laughs) absolutely smashing it i can talk you through it if you want the details probably because you can eat cheese that's why i think you can do life right Uh, it's (laughs) interesting how uncheese based my success is really but um i wake up in the morning i watch toy story with my son um he likes me so i'm already you know quite a long way along uh, we think so anyway he can't really talk but he, no. he seems to want to come into my bed and then I uh, cycle him to nursery to get my exercise you know uh, I do my job uh, I like my job Dane mm-hmm. knows I like my job I, I get to come up with ideas for TV and stuff it's pretty good mm-hmm. I eat my lunch it's usually healthy uh, I go home to my wife <laughs> she likes me um, I watch everybody else Raymond <laughs> it's a good show <laughs> She, your, your family like you, Howard, but I'm not sure how more patient this audience will remain. <laughs> <laughs> Going through this daily itinerary yeah, of, really, of that's banality. Quite good to see you. It's just, uh, yeah, you know, occasionally I'll smoke a joint and that's about it, really. It's all fine. Uh, it's really not much wrong with it. Uh, so I'm kind of, yeah. Is, that, is a lot of that, do you think, as well? Because I don't even care what I wear, clothes-wise. You can maybe be able to tell that. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't even care about these things. Uh, it's all quite enjoyable. I look forward to the next Marvel film whenever that comes. Um, see, Howard, I... You, so now the question is, are you doing life right? Because on the Marvel point, my only concern is that, you know, is there a concern by introducing our children to the various uh, different parts of the Disney portfolio where robbing them of an imagination? Yeah. Like, quick aside, I'm just saying, guys, Disney now have Marvel, all the old Disney stuff, all the Pixar stuff. They've got Lucasfilm as well. They've got Fox. So they show um, The Simpsons on there. Um there's yeah. a lot on that. I and there's also the Stars the Network. Night. They also own Discovery. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying the fact that we have so much uh, intellectual property in one centralized place yep. for a son watching his father who produces and creates growing up mm. might not be giving him a lot of wiggle room. Not that you're doing anything wrong. Yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate <laughs> here, of course. Yeah, no. I'm just playing um, devil's advocate. Yeah. Soon well, to be on Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> yeah well, hopefully this podcast ends up on Disney+, Plus. Uh, is the plan. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I genuinely... And I'll tell you how I know that I'm doing it right. Yeah, go on. Little thing. I definitely knew when I was doing it wrong. That would be my thing. Like, you know, those days where you're like, ah, I can't, <laughs> you know, really. And it could be like on like quite superficial levels, like when I was, you know, dating or struggling to date or just, you know, dead inside from dating, you know, like, you know, or, or work or whatever, anything. Like, no, you know, you kind of. Yeah, I genuinely, even know, like, the bloke wakes me up at half five in the morning. What kind of sicko is waking up at half five? But, you know, it's fine. Someone that believes that they should seize the day, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that you should but too. I just think to myself, you know what? If I can tolerate that, yeah, it's, you know, I remember when it wasn't good. So, yeah, I reckon I'm doing life right. Um, 
Sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm, sorry about that. It's probably quite annoying to hear. Yeah. On that point, Saren, is there, is there, was there a particular juncture recently where you were like, oh, I really think I'm doing this wrong or there's a better way I could do it? That's kind of also been part of prompting this question. Not, not questioning if I'm doing it wrong, but questioning if like this is is this the best that yes. it's going to be? You know, when you just like wake good, up and the grind happens again and you're yeah. like, so is this, because my pension says I'm going to retire in 2068. Like, am I doing this until 2068? That's like, is this see. literally, which is the right, exactly. But that is, it's the right question to ask. And hopefully not being too patronizing as somebody who is now in the beginning of their midlife. I remember asking myself these questions as well. Mm. And part of that was the impetus for me to change my career and begin a career in comedy and then moving into more creative fields. And so that was the kind of push I needed. But I'd also say in terms of the factors is that you should, I hope it's uh, also a consolation to you, that you're sitting at the cusp of a very new part of history, not just uh, as extensively, but it's even looking at in this country. Like there are a number of old institutions in this country that have existed uh, that are now um, kind of in the process of changing significantly. So, for example, I would argue we're at a point now where bipartisan politics aren't as clear as they used to be before. I think before people had a much greater understanding of what the ideology meant if you said you were right wing or left wing. Those are not as clear as they used to be anymore. Some could argue that all of these sit under the umbrella of corporatism or that they have now all become obsolete in the face of populism. I'd also say as well, like Howard mentioned, going to work. Mm. Going to work is very different, will be very different at a certain point for our successive generations because we're in a time now where a number of the jobs, and we all know that people's occupations play a large part in making up who they are. A lot of the jobs that people have are not going to exist in like the next 10 to 20 years, Mm. which means having your occupation define who you are. And just so you know how far this goes, most surnames come from nominative determinism. Like people's names would be like Smith because their family would be Smiths or you'd be Baker because your family were Bakers. That's how much your uh, occupation determines your being. But nowadays, like the more we have the rise and proliferation of AI, it means that that's not going to be able to define who you are. So it means we're, as a species, have to work out something else to define our humanity by other than how we work. Yeah. So that's changed as well. I'm not looking forward to any people's surnames are influencer. Well, yeah, well, exactly. But even... But even Pending doom. Even the, heart, but yeah. even the nature of work as well, because now, like, a lot of stuff you had to leave your house for, you don't necessarily have to do. So even though you talk about living in London because it's a melting pot, it's cosmopolitan, nowadays you can have a job where your offices are based in London, but you can do that job from a different country. Yeah. So yeah. again, it's changed geographically what it means to be a part of a country and to identify uh, nationally as well. So I think one of the reasons why... It, you're maybe asking why we're doing it right is because I think we're at a point where it's all about to change. Like there's a lot of systems in terms of like consumption and capitalism that were relevant post-war, mm-hmm. but even things like monarchy, as we've all learned, doesn't doesn't last forever. No. So now we have to yeah. think of new ways to define ourselves. So well, it, yeah. it, it was. A great question. So you're doing something right, Sarah. Let's hear it for Sarah's question, everyone. Yeah, it's a great question. You're doing, you're doing fine. Can I come back on in like five years and like see, and see how I'm doing? Come back in five and thank years. you for thinking that we're going to live another five years, Sarah. <laughs> we'll be back after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the show. Right, so, uh, so, so, uh, my question, right, okay, uh, so t- tell them, well, and then listeners, uh, you, sport, right, you, you can, you're proper, 
You were like real. I used, yeah, no, I love sport. Um, I was really lucky growing up that my parents just kind of let me and my sisters kind of do as many different things as possible right. and gave us the autonomy to choose what we loved out of those sports. Yeah. So sports, we had books thrown at us, we had instruments right. thrown at us, and then we just got to pick. But you swum pretty like hardcore, right? Yeah. So swimming became my sport. That was the the thing I picked, which yeah. I don't to this day doesn't really make sense why I picked it because actually wasn't very good. Well, but um, okay. I'm very competitive and I don't. Like I you don't. Got, not like you got quite far, didn't you? You got. You didn't get quite. You mentioned to me before. You didn't get. You know, you were close to the Olympics, but you were like. You yeah, know, never uh, made it pro. Never made yeah. it to the Olympics. But I was really fortunate to have my dad, who always encouraged me from a young age that like yeah. making that standard like isn't the end all be all. So mm. I ended up actually going to America and getting right. a scholarship. Oh wow! So I mean, to me, that, that's amazing. And I think like you know, well, yeah, like. <laughs> anyone who can pursue something like that is amazing but it did make me think back to like when I was doing sport at school and so my question and I'm definitely we should throw this out to the audience a little bit is what were the good and bad things about doing sport at school Uh, I mean obviously the answer to both could just be bench football uh, if anyone remembers that but maybe nobody remembers bench I liked liked bench football yeah but equally it was awful because I had to do it every week Uh, and it was basically uh, just Instead of goals, just benches. Is everyone familiar with bench football here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Basically, you have uh, your normal uh, kind of PE bench. Oh, you awful. kind of turn it this way. And so it's like, it looks like it has like a very low face. And then depending on how you play it, you might have pick numbers. So let's say this was like one to 10 here. And this is one to 10 here. Oh. Then the teacher will be like two. And if you're two on this side and two on this side, you both have to kind of run around get the, ball, the circuit of the, pe- of the gym <laughs> and then get the ball. And the first person to score a goal wins. It was fun for the first 78 depending times. On the you know. to- it's fun depending on yeah. how many times you do it and be how clean your PE room is because normally it's a barefoot job uh, and yeah you must have loved sport at school right and you know everyone else must have hated you a little bit so yeah. everyone hated me yeah, because yeah. I loved sport that is very true yeah. um, I, I you were really good right you were really good well swimming is one of those sports where if you can swim it gives you such a fantastic aerobic base that you can pretty much do everything else yeah. I mean your, your hand-eye coordination is a bit off on land but you've got right. the stamina to like run for a long time right. really yeah, right. this is true. Um, yeah. but um yeah, sport in school was mad because mm. there was the expectation to do everything which yeah. you would do. Um, South London? No, so I'm from Cardiff originally. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. And all of my like childhood memories of being outdoors in Cardiff are like torrential rain. I'm not <laughs> oh, even exaggerating. God. And like my... Pe- I that remember- makes swimming make more sense. Yeah, like, well, you know what? can't get like, nowhere. So. Yeah, literally, and we're like indoor sports. So yeah, like yeah. at least I'm deliberately trying to get wet here. Exactly. Um, but I have memories <laughs> of like my... PE teacher like in winter when it was like hailing down outside with the biggest puffer jacket ever hood up being like come on girls it's not cold (laughs) and we would all be in like small shorts and t-shirts did your PE teacher work at Haberdasher's Us previously before (laughs) moving to Cardiff because that sounds just like Mr. Grantham Hill oh really yeah he'd have a puffer jacket and be like it's not cold as a state of mind and I'd be like that thermometer says different yeah so it was freezing I mean wherever you did PE it was freezing right I hated I hated it so passionate anyone do PE in a temperate or warm climate and enjoy it literally just yeah. shaking people just shaking their heads at us listening That's it. That's well it. I think PE at school like unfortunately when I was at school like they really didn't make exercising appealing or fun or engaging it was just a chore mm. and so many of the girls who I was at school with did not want to take part in sport because it was so binary it was boys do football and rugby yeah girls do hockey and netball that is it you know, there was no kind of overlap. There was there were no kind of other sports that you could kind of tap into or explore. Mm. Mm. See, and I went to an all boys school, and so all we had was sport. Really, there's nothing. You know, no women to chase. Was it all football? Uh, well, we did football and rugby, and uh, the rugby was awful. I mean, they didn't train us at all. Because you went oh, to a, you went and you went to a comprehensive. Uh, I went to a grammar school. I was, there was a grammar school. I got, as well. in, I got in the the last day before. Yeah, I know. You wouldn't think it, but yeah, uh, it, it was in Ilford, so I wouldn't think we, too highly of it. Who, who, um, who wouldn't think it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was. I got in. On, I was telling you this. I got in on the last day. I was just literally moved going to the comprehensive, and then. They called me and said, oh, someone's dropped out, so you're next on the list. And you were like, fuck right. this public school. <laughs> it was actually my dad that made me do it. I was going to go to the other school. And he said, you've got to take this opportunity, son. Uh, my mum so did the I same. Did. <laughs> I went to a parents' evening on open day at my grammar school. And she saw a uh, tall, 
Ghanaian gentleman and he was wearing a cloak and right. she was like do all prefigures get cloaks and she was like <laughs> he was like yes madam they do and she was like you're definitely going here <laughs> I mean, the, so. the, 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 the boredom of the PE I mean I, you would think being a PE teacher is like a good job isn't it because like it's sport like people love sport you know generally otherwise why are you doing this job and yeah but those who can do and those who can't teach and I think athletics is probably one of the epitomes <laughs> of that um, well the thing is sports I grew up in South East London and sports is a very different thing oh, yeah. um, because I guess part of that's coming from a community whereby you are so used to a uh, transgenerational marginalization from academia mm. that a lot of young Caribbean men shy away from that and really one of the ways you're able to assert both your masculinity especially in a boys school and you know show you have some aptitude within an educational institution is um, being good at sports it's a very good point. and I go so far as to say a lot of the time sports was a shortcut to popularity mm-hmm. a lot more Definitely. than like no one's ever like you're good at maths can we be friends but you know it's what not... though but that, that is so true for boys but not for girls yeah. like you did not want to be the girl who was good at sports because well, then no. you were you were muscular or you were a show off because you maybe could beat some of the boys Sarah, you can say lesbian on this podcast too I mean back in the day you know kids would make assumptions yeah they make assumptions yeah so it was very all going to change now partly in that's what it took what I got into school in the yeah, 90s exactly. where all it took like a girl could do a header on a board and be like look at that lesbian yeah. that, that's butch look at that oh man it, yeah. it was so. I, I used to really yeah I, I mean I, I was not gifted at sport you know but I tried so I managed to get into the football team. Sometimes that makes it worse. <laughs> you can't do it, Howard, move! <laughs> I got into the football team in year eight and we won the league, you know. Nice. I was the right back. But the problem I had, and I don't know if anyone else had this experience, but, you know, I, I needed glasses, right? And so, you know, the, the issue was I couldn't get the contacts in my eyes. I was told that my eyes were too flat. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I Are you serious? Get, yeah, I've never been able to get contact. How has this taken 180 episodes to get to that? My eyes were too flat, and <laughs> the so I, so I had to wear I had to either wear glasses as I played or not wear glasses. So as a right back in a football team, it's actually quite easy to not be able to see when you're playing because there's just the person that's going to try and take the ball past you, and you just stop them in physically basically at a, uh, at a, at a particular level I will yeah. say Howard no, I'll was, also say of all of the stories of uh, football dreams that I've heard that is by far my favourite <laughs> we can all relate to someone who's told us a story that like, I could have played football professionally yeah. but, but my, eyes, my are eyes are too flat <laughs> is the best one I've ever heard I must say I go with that but one then they put me in goal you see because the goalkeeper didn't want to play in goal but anymore. you couldn't and, see and I couldn't see so it was just a complete disaster and that's why you uh, never played I did for finish, Arsenal I, you know, I did finish fourth in the two hundred meters, which See, nobody cares about, but you know, but uh, the, 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 those moments of positivity in amongst all of that horror that goes on in those lessons, where you're just like, oh god, how many times am I going to have to run around the fucking school? Like it's just, yeah. it was just awful. Like those times, yeah, I, I understand. I, I think it depends. I think sports policies might vary from school to school. I'd heard somebody mistakenly, someone a lot older, I get than you, Saren, said that the Welsh uh, Sports Council for School had assessed a lot of kids to work out like maybe by their physiology what sports they'd be good at mm. and I actually think and someone can correct me on this but I think that's quite a common practice in China where they will look at kids and their right. physiology and they can actually assign them sports and hmm. didn't happen at my school on, yeah, <laughs> well, they, uh, very early on in life they'll put kids in particular sports where they think they might show uh, uh, potential and I'm not necessarily necessarily saying that that's what people can do because you know your tastes or what you might your interests might change over time but I think it's very strange in this country how little is invested in making sports available to everyone. And I think there's an element of elitism with that. I think if you go to the right school, you're in the right circles, then these opportunities can come to you. Because when I meet people and they're like, I do rowing, I'm like, what the fuck did you learn to row? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, depending on where you are placed in your socioeconomic group, it allows you to have the opportunity to have what I call regular sports and equipment sports. Because yeah. mm-hmm. they're the difference. And the big difference mainly is the sports that appear in the Olympics are equipment sports. And the stuff that you do in the park with your friends in school shoes are not those ones. And I say that because, like, even though you may have an interest, like, say someone wants to be a triathlete and that involves maybe shooting or skiing, those uh, accoutrements to that sport are not cheap. No. Which means you aren't able to necessarily participate. And so it's not ne- and that problem 
means it's tennis not is a big one there, right? meritocratic. Yeah, well, tennis, tennis is, is a big one. All the equipment Lacrosse. sports, anything you have to kind the of tennis buy is one where you would for. think because there's so many courts. Yeah, you know, you go to any park in England, I imagine, and you, somewhere in a region you'll find a tennis court for a lot. Well, a lot certainly in London, I can't. But like, but you need quite a lot. Yeah, we need yeah. it. Well, even it's the ball because, as Saren said, the opportunity to live in a place with an abundance of spaces for sports with tennis courts, like in London, mm. is uh, being reduced all the time because not everyone's able to live in London. Um, and I think, which is, and I think you can most people can see there is like a class-based divide when it comes to certain sports mm. because football is yeah. definitely seen as like a working-class sport, whereas rugby is definitely a middle-class one. Because I went to a grammar school in inner city, southeast London. And as far as I know, I didn't know any other school that played rugby union around that area. See, that's so fascinating because in Wales, it's flipped. Yeah. Because the, the Valleys has a huge influence in rugby back mm. home. So, like, rugby is very much working class. Like, rugby is in your blood. If you don't play rugby, you're weird. If you mm. play football, okay, we had that fluke in 2016. Now we're going to the World Cup. Probably another fluke, but we're here for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's very, yeah, sports is a huge kind of indicator of, like, where we sit in terms of class. Yeah, and I, and, I think, and I think one of the reasons for that is because it still allows for there to be a divide because in the States, which is a republic, your prowess in athletics can open you up to new opportunities you wouldn't be able to exploit if you uh, are from a more modest background. So there are some athletes, for example, who play college basketball. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to precipitate into a professional career, but if you show that skill, you're able to get a scholarship and you can earn a degree to specialise or major in a field that's mm. relevant to you. And I've always found it very strange that we don't have that here because for all of the young... Just, and this is just the men. This doesn't even include young women, but for young men playing football or aspiring to be professional footballers in the UK... 0.03% of them will make it as professionals. Yeah. And that means you've got that remaining 99 plus percent who are basically left by the wayside where they could, you know, maybe translate that into another sport that's cardio intensive. They could maybe become runners and athletes or just go to play football on a scholarship at a British university or abroad and learn about a new culture as well as having the resources to maybe have another field of study. I mean, I went to study in America, but it wasn't a scholarship for sport. Yeah, but, and, and it's strange that, especially in a society which emphasizes survival of the fittest and natural selection, if people do show uh, an ability uh, to, you know, complete particularly uh, mm. human feats like being superior athletes and running very fast, that we don't have enough resources that are used to curate and nurture those gifts, particularly from people with more modest backgrounds. Yeah. So well, that was my question. Do you, what do you think, Dave? Was it good? It was good, but I'm That's not the good. audience, Howard. These are the people who are here. I, I want to make sure we get some time to answer answer their own questions. It's a good question. You know what? It's a good question. I didn't get to mention this, but I always, I always find it strange because nowadays, you know, like, how many people here that are in, uh, like working, how much is that trying to find a cost-effective gym a part of your life and you're like I want to go to the gym and then someone's like it's going to cost you 55 pounds you're like why because we do smoothies that's not serious and then even if you do join the gym then you got to buy a yoga mat then you know spin class I mean so it's, it's a shame that we have all this opportunity at school mm. that should probably be the best time when we have the vitality and the time to look at different uh, uh, sports or any kind of kinesthetic activity yeah. and we don't get to exploit that for other reasons and then you get to an age now where you don't have the same amount of time you've got to go to the gym and ride on a bike that doesn't go anywhere and then, <laughs> or buy a peloton so well Dane you've heard my question you heard Sarian's question what is your question today uh, well the question relates and uh, I, it's in terms of like issues of class and sports uh, so Saren you are a you're a swimmer who has had Olympic trials not one to toot my own horn, but I also did silver survival. That's beyond a pajama and a brick. All right? But this is new levels. There's two bricks. And like a suit. It wasn't a suit, but yeah. But my greatest surprise doing swimming as an activity is the reaction that I used to get from people when I told them I could swim. Um, so I would be in Ayanapa. Don't judge. <laughs> And there'd be a pool, and people would be like, Dane, can you swim underwater? And I'd be like, of course, the whole way. Yes. They'd be like, really? And I remember freshers week at university, friends are swimming, they're like, Dane, can you swim? And I'd be like, of course I can swim. They'd be like, seriously? And I'd be like, yes, seriously. And I'd be like, why do you even ask that? And their response would be, I didn't know black people could swim. And 
to the point where this is also somewhat of a trope, even within comedy, particularly when I play predominantly black films, where people are like, black people don't swim, you know, we don't go in that water. And I'd be like, I, I go in that water sometimes. <laughs> Especially if you've got goggles, I go in the water, what's the good deal here? And, but it seems that there is a very large, I would argue, potentially global misconception that black people do not swim. And I object to this, A, because you're here, B, because I did Silver Survival. That was two bricks. <laughs> and very recently, or not recently, maybe about five years ago, Simone Manuel was a gold yeah. medalist for, at yeah, the Olympics. First black woman to first win black a gold woman, medal yeah. at the Olympics. So yeah. not only are we swimming, we're excelling. Mm-hmm. Ex- unless she's the one that beat you to the punch, sir, and so I can't really back her. You know what? No, I, you know, I'm a big girl fan, so... Okay, cool. Yeah. So, all right. No, just, Unity, that's the yeah. main part. But, yeah. <laughs> so I guess what I want to know from you, from maybe a historical perspective or from a personal perspective... Why do people think black people don't like swimming? I still find this question so hard to answer because I've been kind of on this quest of like finding a specific like pinpoint for the last five years. Um, but there is none. Um, the work that I'm doing at the Black Swimming Association is trying to like figure that out. And the more we dig deeper into the issue, there are just more more layers yeah. and it gets more complex. Have, one, of the, one of the reasons that upon research... And I can't necessarily speak for the, the diaspora based in the UK or in mainland continental Europe, but in America, Jim Crow laws and segregation were a large reason as to why like, a lot of black people didn't swim. And I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but with Jim Crow laws, this is segregation, which meant African-Americans would not be allowed to uh, be in certain public places unless they were sent for them. And one of those being public swimming pools, because obviously everyone's sharing a pool people would eject so much that there's even an iconic photo of a uh, swimming pool owner pouring acid into a pool because people were mixing in the pool as if, like, this comes off. Which was said to me the first time I went to Turkey, by the way. I was outside the pool and the waiter said, please, why are you not going in the water? It wash off? True story. Now, don't worry, my racism radar was on. And I said to myself, that's come from a place of maybe lack of awareness rather than malice. Because he also was like giving me a drink at the same time. And I feel like people that hate you don't bring you drinks to your sunbed. <laughs> Unless it's all inclusive and they have to. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. So obviously in that instance, institutional racism has been a reason why people have been adverse to swimming. Now, obviously I learned to swim in the UK and I didn't really experience any nuanced racism regarding swimming apart from the fact that no one knew the name Dane for some reason. Mm. So there'll just be a bunch of, of my white colleagues being like, you can do it, Dwayne. And my mom be like, who are they talking to? <laughs> but uh, you probably have more information about those experiences than I do. So, Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. Um, there's, when, if we're speaking about kind of the diaspora mm-hmm. in this case, um, a lot of kind of our parents, our grandparents came over here. Um, not everybody, but a lot of them did. And when they did... Life was significantly harder because their main priority was to assimilate and to work hard and to make something of themselves and to have a better life. Um, speaking from my mum's perspective, my mum's from Zimbabwe. She's, mm-hmm. She moved over in the 70s when she was 12. Um, education was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like my mum and my uncles and my auntie, they had to work hard in school to go to university, to get a good job, to have a better life. Um, languages was not an option for my mum. Mm-hmm. Sports was not an option for my mum. These two things were not prioritised. Mm-hmm. And when she was able to do sports in school, it was kind of um, put a pair of trainers on and just run around the school. Kind of as you were saying before, right? It, it wasn't kind of like the swim lessons that we now see in the curriculum yeah. um, where kids are spending um, six 30-minute sessions over six weeks in a, in a local ledge centre or a pool if the, if the school has that pool. Um, so that is kind of one aspect. Um, there's another aspect of accessibility and finance. So speaking before about kind of class and, and sports and, and how expensive certain sports can be. And if you were in school, you go to the private schools and they would like beat your ass in like hockey. And it was like, oh, because they all have their own hockey sticks and they actually train like three, four times a week. I, I went to a school in South East London that was a member of other private schools. And we went there for a rugby sevens tournament mm-hmm. and they had two people working at a carvery in their dinner hall. It's incredible. I never felt so broke in my life. There was two people, and I don't mean cooks, I mean chefs. And you know the difference, because chefs wear hats, and they're <laughs> big hats. And they was were like... Millfield by any chance? Oh, it was, um, I want to say it was either Haberdashers, Adams, or Elstree. Oh, 
Because Sasha Baron Cohen went to one of them. I didn't see him, but I saw two chefs yeah. being like, slice of, slice of beef. And me being like, what the f? <laughs> I had to fight for it a happens. vending machine for three years at my school. It happens, it happens. But swimming is one of those very expensive sports people actually aren't as aware. Mm. Um, even if we're talking about recreational grassroots stuff, because if you, if you have a kid and they're going to join a football team or a basketball team, really all they need is a pair of trainers, mm. really. Um, because usually bibs are provided um, obviously like wearing denim isn't ideal but you can get away with like wearing clothes as long as you have trainers you can run around right with swimming you need a costume you need goggles you need a hat you even need a pound for a locker you do need a pound for a locker that that is literally just right at the beginning and the the more you progress in the sport the more expensive it gets Mm. so the swimsuits for example that when you watch I, I don't know if you guys have seen like the Olympics and you see the swimmers in their long suits those suits cost around four to, four to 500 pounds for one suit. Mm. Usually you need about two to three if right. you're an elite level. So that's for suits. And then you'll need about three pairs of goggles because goggles snap. Three, four, five pairs of hats because hats snap. Mm. Um, races will cost between seven and 10 pounds to enter per race. And if you have a coach saying to you, okay, this is a four-day competition. I want you to race seven races, seven times 10 for races only. And then when you kind of advance again and you're going to the British Nationals or the Olympic Trials, which are traditionally in British swimming held in Sheffield, mm-hmm. you need to find a way to get to Sheffield, whether that's train or, or car, but your parents got to pay for that. I, ne- I never thought and someone would ever say that to me. Someone's got to pay for that. You need to find a way to Sheffield. I, how about I don't go? There's usually my... But, that, but, the, but then... But you, you got to go, You right? have to go. Yeah. But then the final thing is hotels you have to stay over at these mm. but like swimming yeah. is obviously a, a lot of the things i've mentioned exist in other sports they do yeah. but when it comes to those suits and when it comes to that kind of dedication of kind of membership as well because pool hire is expensive for local clubs mm. they have to make up that money and well, usually that's charged also, also, also an important point is for a lot of other sports as long as you have the equipment you can practice at home mm-hmm. there is an essential piece of equipment you need to swim at home Mm. You can't do that Very, in the yeah. bath or the not shower. Lot, not a lot of people have that. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people have that. But I've got to, I've got to ask one thing because obviously, you know, there's a kind of, is there a, is it a myth? Is there because the 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 absolute kind of, I would go as far to say dominance in like how many lists of sports do you want me to name of of black athletes? Right? Is like, I mean, just just America alone, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, the England football team. It's also the first black male tennis player has now made it to the semi-final since 1972. Yeah. Yeah. So come, come for that as well. But, you know, the, the, there is mythology around uh, the physiological differences between... Oh, no, that's, bi- that's biological facts. So how about do you the explain that, ratio? though? Would, would that... Pl- that isn't what... Would, well, there's not one or the other, is it? Well, it, yeah. that's a really interesting one because I don't, I don't know where that came from. Like, all I know is my swimming career, I swam for 13 years competitively in the UK and in the US. I only ever came across five black girls of my mm. standard. One was my sister, actually. So four black girls, right? right? And mm. there were so many people who were either, I'd met along the way, who were black outside of the sport or white in the sport. And they were like, how are you so fast? Your bones are heavier. Like, how, like, how, like, how, like, how are you, how are you doing so well? And I, it's so strange when this mentality has literally been embedded in you since the beginning mm. to the point it's where it's almost like being told you speak so well yeah <laughs> and, and you end up it, it just becomes the norm and then when you meet, how did you know the difference between a butterfly in the pool and a butterfly dance that's done at carnival yeah. and other stupid questions no idea um, <laughs> black people know what I'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah alright let's make it sure okay cool <laughs> but like but, it, but it, you get to a point where you're like okay this is so embedded in our community as well to the point where I meet you know um, with my charity we do swim, swimming and water safety courses for people of all ages mm. most of the people are aquaphobic mm. who come in petrified of water have had a near near drowning experience and just don't want to get in but we encourage them to get in for life saving for a lot if you skills. hear the anecdotes for a lot of Caribbean people in terms of how they learn to swim it's normally you're at visiting family in the Caribbean someone and someone older yeah just goes there you go you'll make it you just, that's yeah. the story I'm told by most people just throwing you in by Happens the wrist a lot. and Happens also a jaws lot. like a lot of Jaws did not help the cause. Jaws, did, Jaws, Jaws was probably one of the worst things that happened because <laughs> everybody was like, well, if you're going to go into the water naked at night time, because <laughs> I would never do that, won't catch me doing it. And that, that put off a lot of people. That was the sh- shark black black people relationship yeah, no, not was great. permanently destroyed <laughs> by the franchise Jaws. Yeah. Well, but I think to conclude this question, it is worth how's your 
How's, how's what you're doing going? Is it, is it, you feel like you're making some progress? Yeah, it's going really well, thank you. We started the charity um, March 2020. We didn't know that lockdown was about to happen two weeks after we announced the charity, okay. so that was a bit, a, a bit chaotic. Sharing water's a bit COVID-y, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, man, we were like, okay, great. So now all the pools are going to close for two years. This is fantastic. Mm. Um, but now the pools are open again. We do these water safety classes where we teach people about water safety, how to stay safe around different bodies of water. We're based in Hackney, and Hackney is obviously like Canal Central. Mm-hmm. People don't think that it's dangerous to walk along the canal, but like most people wouldn't know what to do if they saw somebody in danger or if they themselves got in danger in the water. Mm-hmm. So we talk about um, cold water shock. We talk about learning how to float. Um, people don't know whether to call the Coast Guard or the Fire Brigade. There's a difference depending on which part of the country you're in. Mm-hmm. We talk about that as well. But through all of this our participants actually learn how to swim at the end and that's the most rewarding thing like seeing so actually for example this cohort we have is our fifth cohort this year 65 and overs and it's my favorite because i get to get in the pool with loads of aunties who haven't (laughs) swum for the longest time and Catherine last week was like i don't want to get in and she was tearful before getting in and after the hour she was swimming unassisted having the best time Mm. and it's just really really rewarding because i feel like having been fortunate and privileged enough to be a swimmer and to mm-hmm. go through the ranks. I felt as though after coming back from America, I was sat on this kind of like treasure trove of knowledge. And, you know, swimming is fantastic. It's good for your mind. It's good mm-hmm. for your body. Um, it's a great career pathway that we also don't talk about enough yeah. as well. Yeah. And I felt like I had all of this knowledge, but like people who looked like me just did not, did not know or didn't mm-hmm. really want to know. Mm-hmm. So being able to share that yeah. and, you know, and seeing how it impacts these women who I'm working with now and how they take these lessons that we have in swimming mm. and apply those things into their daily lives is really rewarding. I need well, to yeah. apologize. Well, well First of all, yeah, definitely a round of applause. Saren, I need to apologize. I very flippantly said during Howard's second question, those who can do and those who can't teach, I'm retracting that statement because <laughs> we know you can and you are now teaching each one which yeah. we appreciate so thank you very much and also thank you. thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast this has been great I hope and, you have and, all enjoyed and before thank we wrap up me. we are going to open the floor well not open the floor but open to the floor uh, for any questions so any if, questions yeah, if you have a question for Seren or myself or Howard you can ask uh, oh. there's a person going around with a microphone um, come on put your hands up I mean it could be anything it could be very basic oh there's a gentleman here Hello. Hello. Uh, What's your name, mate? Uh, Mark A.G. Davidson, um, Self Esteem Weekly. Um, <laughs> you, all talking about sports at primary school um, and being in the right circles and stuff. Did your school have an apparatus? And did you even do the parachute? Because we did have an apparatus. It's like some sort of memory. shared hypnosis, yeah, really. And it's like, did that even happen? Mm, you did have an apparatus <laughs> some boy kicked me in the face on the apparatus you've literally just unlocked a weird memory that I had yeah yeah no uncomfortable yeah but we did <laughs> why does apparatus always lead to someone recanting some trauma it's always a thing because yeah. my, my apparatus I was trying to show That's my many fr- level thing it's amazing yeah exactly so my experience was on the rings I tried to show people that I could go backwards landed <laughs> on my head and was winded for about three minutes and everyone in the class was like I think he's broken his spine did you get an ice pack because we always yeah, ice pack. regardless of your injury in school ice pack I, I think I might have been told to run it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, uh, I, I, and also, I think I did it parachute a couple of times. But to be honest, I actually found it to kind of be groupthink. And at some point during my time uh, in primary school, I uh, I burst a capillary in my nose, and that sounds harsh, but it meant I could have nosebleeds at will. <laughs> and so, for example, they'd be like, "Today we're going to watch a film," and I'd be like, "Not me." <laughs> so it came in very handy yeah, and so, interesting I had no so. apparatus at my school uh, we did have a swimming pool no? uh, oh nice yeah, oh. which is quite nice uh, apart from some questionable uh, I don't know if I really want to open this up and do a public space but uh, teachers questionable when you're swimming I don't know just felt like oh yeah it's just not comfortable but do that's you, probably not you lot keep peeling back the layers of, yeah. of, of surrender trauma I feel like every time you're just like yeah anyway fine that was odd. <laughs> that was a good question. Right, come on, let's have another question. That's a question. Uh, oh, I'm just going to pick on people and then you're going to have to make one up on the spot. Oh, no, there's a man in the back. Hello, my name's Aaron. Uh, Hi, Aaron. Hey, uh, this is a bit of a silly question. I feel really bad for Aaron. Um, Dane, I heard you on uh, Just a Minute. Yes. I have to ask, was it surreal meeting Paul Merton? Oh. <laughs> what are you Sonic trying Lee. to say? Do you, know, do you know what, Aaron? I've, do you know what? No, it fucking wasn't. And I'll tell you why. All right? In a minute. I, in a minute. Basically, I beat Paul Merton on just a minute 
And then I asked him to do this podcast And he refused Yeah, because he felt hurt that he lost on just a minute Even though he's been doing it ten years before I was born So, um And Paul Merton, if you're listening This is not, this is not you Okay, we can coexist No, I'll do it again, be like, this is your conscience And you should be doing just a minute But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, Aaron It was initially surreal, but Unfortunately, I have to say, sometimes you shouldn't Meet your heroes, because apparently they don't do podcasts When very clearly, their voice Sounds very comfortable Come on, podcast. Mate. We're both from Barking, that's why we sound the same Just but, get, on with, get on the show But that's a great question, great thank question. you very much, very much. Uh, Who else have we got? And we're just going to pick on people It's going to get awkward so you might I feel like picking, also, on people want, is, want, picking on people is a, word, a bad word to you Okay, we're gonna we're gonna just select people to be treated to picking a question. Thank you. Man in the white. Thank you, sir. As as prompt passive aggressively by your lovely partner. (laughs) Say something. Say something. Why are you putting your hand up? The more pointless, the better in this scenario. (laughs) That's right. I'll keep it on sport. Obviously, there's a lot of sport being cancelled over the weekend. Just wanted to know your take on that. uh, For this weekend. This weekend. How how you had a a, a point Um, on this? Well, I kind of feel that you know uh, my life as an Arsenal fan is miserable enough that I potentially don't need any more misery. It's not been a bad start. It's not been a bad start. Uh, Cancelling sport for the Queen being dead. I don't know if she would have really liked that, would she? I think she'd have probably gone, oh, just get on with it. Uh, you know, did Arsenal win? Uh, would have been maybe what she said. Uh, I don't know. Seren? It's, it's a tricky one. I think I'm going to say no comment. <laughs> <laughs> She's got more high hopes for her career than me. Um, uh, I, I think that in a society which does profess to be a lot more enlightened than a lot of uh, theological ones or ones that are rooted in religion and stuff, I don't really see the point um, I don't think it's going to bring her back. I don't think it's going to be that long a distraction from mourning if you are mourning the loss of your uh, queen. Um, so I guess I guess there's some sentiment behind it. But I think if given the fact that the relationship between monarch and subjects is based on us providing for said monarchs, we should at this point be able to decide collectively what we want to do as well. Because, you know, I pay for that stuff. So if I want to go football as well, I should be able to go football as well. It's yeah, a fair so, point. I'm not, but I'm not a monarchist. I'm not going to have any schadenfreude or have any, say anything about someone's loss of life. But at the same time, I think in other points of adversity involved in the royal family, which we all know about, <laughs> that didn't stop anything from happening, right? There yep. was no halting of any services then. So why should this be any different? Good Mark knows point. what I'm talking right, about. We're going to do three more questions and nobody can leave until we do. <laughs> I mean, uh, that seems fair. Uh, maybe. Oh, there's a gentleman, uh, lady here. I have a personal question for you, Howard. Okay, what's nice. your name? Um, it's Rebecca. It's Rebecca? Yes. I'm, I've met Rebecca's. Hello. Oh, good. <laughs> Um, I was just wondering if your flat eyes had affected you in any other areas of your life. <laughs> That's a great uh, question, Other Rebecca. than my uh, sporting professions, yeah. So uh, the other way it affected me is that people took the piss a lot. Uh, and I only found out about this today. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry, Rebecca. You've I've got, got stuff here. Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, a war chest to put together. But actually, the most interesting element of it would be that is a glass. How many glasses, people? We got here. We got statistically, it should be one in three of the people here. The gentleman there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, look. Yeah. If you get it early, if you get your glasses early, I got my glasses at five years old. You basically spend a lot of time thinking. Oh, I wish I didn't fucking have to wear these glasses. And then, you know, they weren't fashionable. They're more fashionable now. Mate, you've got lovely fashionable glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see them. I've, I've, I've been trying not to stare at them, but, you know, they're really... I'm not going to swap because we haven't got the same prescription. That, but those of you that wear glasses, is that what happens sometimes? You'd be in a restaurant, you'd be like, oh, my days, look at those frames over there. <laughs> I need to meet that person. Does well, that, you know. Do you get, like, compliments on your frames sometimes? People are like, I'm sorry to disturb you, madam, but... Yeah, those are every really nice. Yeah, really... Who is your optometrist? Are you mad, Ruby? Must be nice. But, you know, I could never get... I could never get... You know, I always... I could never get... The contact lenses so I put down the many 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 years of not having uh, any progress with the opposite sex uh, romantically uh, to still being wearing my glasses and I would go to nightclubs or parties and my glasses would steam up that's not attractive uh, no one's turned on by the guy with his glass he's cleaning he's getting his little square around cleaning his glasses you know so that would be an answer thanks Rebecca I think you really should have done Howard is going to the nightclub with the contact lenses on and he walk up to a lady like girl you were so good at 
popped out my eyes. That's all. And she's like, "Are you sure you haven't got flat eyes?" No, baby, that's you, girl. And, yeah, it was. I, I mean, I, I, literally, I'm speaking me, from eye, high, Vision Express, thirteen-year-old yeah. Howard Cohen in Vision Express, just going like that. Just, just can't get him in. Yeah, yeah keep trying. <laughs> Anyway, two more questions and then I'm going to go home to my wife and children. <laughs> and so it's a day. No, not to my wife and children. You can do something else. But two more. Who, two more. Come on. This lady here. Come on. You've got plenty of questions. I can see. Oh, but come on. It can't just be to me. If you want to direct your questions towards Howard, feel free. Uh, it's your you, time. Have you considered laser eye surgery? It's very good. I'm not That's counting question. that question. Uh, no, I, I'm now quite it's content actually... that my personality is based around my glasses, which is a weird thing about being a glasses wearer, right, mate? You know, I mean, like you, it's kind of you, isn't it? It comes to you. So I'm not going to do that. I had it in January. It's very good. Is, um, is, it, is, it, is it working well? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a whole new world? Absolutely. You're not the first person I know who said that. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Like, I grew up thinking we'd use lasers to cut people in half on spaceships, <laughs> and we use them to fix our eyes and burn off hair around bikini areas. Yeah, and only the eyes. We're yeah. doing things right, everybody. <laughs> we are doing life right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, those lasers, but never. Go on, you got another one. I can well, see it. I was going to ask a follow up question for Saren with your BBC insider ship. My mum is convinced that everyone the BBC knew in advance that the Queen had died. Ah. Well, I want to know if there's any... Oh, that's a good, a good question. Well, funnily enough, so I was... Um, I have two fantastic housemates who also work at the BBC. Well, one of them does, the other one doesn't anymore. So I was trying to, like, live through them yesterday. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? Um, they... So, apparently... Remember the career. Remember the career. I can do this if you want me to, because I don't have a few. <laughs> apparently, when the public found out... It was actually another time. Correct. That's what I'll say. Yeah, so she went about one. And um, <laughs> basically, the phrase is... Uh, everyone know the phrase? London, London Bridge has fallen. And that's where they go and get those DVDs they've had ready We've for had quite them a while. Ready for, I can, yeah, I can they're say still, that. They're still We've DVDs. Had, like, that's, how, that's how long they've had them for. I, I left a year ago, but instantly... my. Two first thoughts were, thank God I'm not working in the news today. And my second thought was, I know exactly what needs to be done today. Because they drill in, they call it category one, when the royals die. Category one. Mm. Um, very dramatic. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. No one tweet. Like, you're not allowed to tweet. You're not allowed to talk. You can't do anything until Hugh Edwards announces it. So everyone is probably just there waiting. But... Um, yeah. My parents in, in Wales, my mum was going to a nail salon yesterday and she was like, oh my God, the woman in front of me has just rushed to the BBC. She's a news reporter. Apparently, it's because the Queen's died now. So she had to miss her nail appointment because the Queen, and that was around two o'clock. Yeah, well, so. Sacrifices so, yeah. will be made. You yeah, can't tweet and yeah. just take it from me. You also cannot go to Ladbrokes. <laughs> That's all I've said. You can read that however you choose. I'm just saying when it comes to people of profile passing away yeah, don't yeah. go to a betting shop with some odds being like I want some of that action I tell you what no big up those BBC people in the front of the camera there I mean they're holding like a serious secret for hours on live television it's like they're just sitting there going you know so we all hope you know and hopefully we're gonna hear soon and it's like yeah She's gone, and you know, and you can't tell us because of the legals involved in it all. That must have been a tough gig, man. That's a tough gig. We all watched it. Yeah. It, w it was the same thing for like five hours. Yeah, yeah. great telly. <laughs> I don't mean that in a nasty way. It's just really compelling. Uh, should we do another question? Something silly? Lady at the back? Oh, we've got another person here. We'll do that other way. There are no silly questions, please. No, everyone. but I like just, a silly one. It's not very silly. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so, a question for Soren. You swam professionally and intensely for so many years. Um, what would you say, as an adult, the best impact and worst impact of that is or was? Oh, um, best impact. Um, I have impeccable time management because from the age of 11, I was getting up at five in the morning to swim at six, going to school and then swimming again at night from 11 to 21. Um, so I'm very good at juggling. Um, worst impact is, which I've learned recently, actually, is all of the healthy, um, like the positive mindset I had, I had as an athlete, i.e. constantly powering through, going the extra mile, being the best, isn't actually healthy as a normal person. So like can lead to like, yeah, burnout is a real thing. Um, but yeah, they're probably the two things. I think I'm just working on that second one a little bit. 
Thank great you. question. Great answer. We've got one more. The gentleman down here is going to ask our final question. Oh, thank you. So I think Jaws is a very famous film that has <laughs> scared many people away from swimming and going near water. Oh, is there any yeah. film or TV program that is, in, is the opposite effect of that you think can actually oh. encourage people to get into the water if oh, they've never tried. Such a and question. if there isn't, we're going to go and write it. Uh, I'd also like to add that at a point where I was beginning to heal, Deep Blue Sea came out. <laughs> and then I was like, nah, not this time, never again. Um, have you seen The Guardian with Ashton Kutcher and Kevin Costner? That's a really, I, I find that quite an inspiring movie. That's about the US Coast Guard. Um, there's also Sana Lathan was starring in a movie in 2018 called Napoli Ever After, which is about black hair and swimming, Ooh. which I found very fun. A very nice little family film. Um, but there are a few. There's actually Netflix is dropping a new movie n- later this year about the um, Syrian refugee who went on to swim at the Olympics. Oh, yeah. Um, right. And that looks fantastic. And I hope that's going to be something that makes people think about actually getting in and just understanding and appreciating swimming as a life saving skill. Because if that girl wasn't on that boat, you know, yeah, her and her true. sister pushed, you know, they, they pushed that, that dinghy wow. to shore. Um, so, yeah. Well, well done, audience. You've done some good questions. And uh, thank you, Serene. It's been a great yeah, guest. Please give right a round of applause to our Thank you for having me. Uh, Serene, before we let you go. Could you, uh, for audiences that are interested in the work you're doing, where can I find out more about your charity and the work, positive work that you are doing in these waters? Yes, uh, you can find us um, on Instagram, Black Swimming Association, and on Twitter. We also have our own website, which is thebsa.co.uk. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys so much for having thank me. Thank you very much. That's the end of a uh, live recording of the episode of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything at the London Podcast Festival. Thank you to our guest, Sir and Jones, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Yeah, hello. Thanks. Cheers. And thank you to this amazing audience at the London Podcast Festival. You guys are great. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTiste and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.